Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us wherever you are around Australia or around the world. Really do appreciate you tuning in. If you like what we're doing, like, share, subscribe, you know, tell a friend about the podcast. That would be really, really greatly appreciated. It was a big week in Australian golf, a uh, big week for Australians. Uh, another win here, another winner on one of the major tours. We obviously had the uh, the big event that's on everyone's uh, lips, the Live Golf Adelaide. Uh, there was some an event in uh, America, the Zurich. Magic Mike's joining to uh, bring us all of the information as we look forward to uh, the next week in the PGA Tour. And we'll obviously have a discussion around my uh, time at Living Adelaide. Uh, let's uh, crack on and let's bring in Magic Mike. Magic Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it's Anzac Day and it's a time where we reflect and remember all of the great Australians that have represented Australia in a theatre of war around the world over the many theatres of war that Australians have been represented and lost their lives in. So uh, on this Anzac Day, 25th of April in 2023, we remember all of those great Australians that have served for the country and uh, and we say thanks as we start the podcast uh Lest we forget. Hey, Mike, uh, you had a big weekend. Um, you went on the road. You took your golf on the road. Let's let's have a bit of a rundown on what your golf on the road was. And firstly, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Getting there slowly. Still, still lingering with the tiredness and stuff of COVID, which is probably impacting my golf a bit. To be honest, I'm I'm really tired. I, I played golf yesterday as well, and I was very very tired late in the, late in the round. Um, but I was on the road, yes. So I was over in Perth. Perth went to Perth from Melbourne. So anyone that's overseas listening, that's about three, four hour flight, four hour flight one way. A bit like flying from New York to LA. Um, so I went over there for some good weather. My football team was playing on Friday night, and then fit in two and a half rounds of golf, which was which was great. Nice and sunny. Two and a half rounds of golf. Yeah. Oh, day one, you, I went... You don't like... I know you. You don't like to finish your uh, golf on half round, so that must have been nah. a, a test. No, 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 no. It was nine, nine holes. I played nine holes. So when I landed in Perth on Friday, it was 30 degrees, and I went to my old uh, old faithful. Uh, There's a pu- public course in Perth called Collier Park when I lived in Fremantle. It was the spot to go. I loved it. It's uh, three nine-hole courses. Uh not going to remember the name of them. One's the lake, one's the um, pines, the other two I played. Pines is my favourite. If you, I know that the um, the Australian podcast, the golf course podcast, did a, did a discussion the other week around courses in Australia that remind them of Augusta. And this is uh, reminds me of Augusta. It's not, not really playing like Augusta, but it's carved out of an old pine plantation. So lots of pines, lots of pine straw in the ground, um, white sandy pots everywhere. So I played there and played nine holes, um, and I joined up with three um, retirees who were only playing nine. Um, and after nine, I was well and truly done. I'd uh, thirty degrees was a big stretch straight off the plane, and I was just really tired um, after an early flight. And I knew that I was going to the footy Friday night, so uh, yeah, just played the nine at Collier Park, which I'd highly recommend anyone's in town in Perth. Uh, for those that haven't made the trek across to Perth for the footy as an example I've got a wonderful new stadium across there is Allianz Stadium is that the name of it? Optus Optus sorry my, my apologies to uh, Optus uh, quality stadium good good stadium for the footy yeah really good stadium for the footy very loud for uh, the, the opposition we're playing probably is the smaller of the two sides in Perth Fremantle and they um, they were very very noisy when they were kicking a few goals here and there but kind of from the outside, it's exceptional. The facilities close by, the bar across the way, you know, 100 metres into the ground from there. It was, it's a very, very, very good setup. Easy to get to. Um, yeah, not a bad seat in the house. All uniform the whole way around. Not, not like the MCG where you've got kind of stands that sort of don't, you know, mix in here and there. Um, yeah, I, I, I did like it. Um, it reminds me of if anyone's been to Metric on the other one, which is the, which is the Gold Coast one. Very similar sort of st- um, to that. Not a bad spot. Base to sit just a bit on steroids, much bigger than, than Metricon. But no, really good night. And the Bulldogs won, which didn't hurt. If uh, you had to rank the courses that are available in Perth, um, 
and how would you where would you rank them what would you where would you put the uh on a board of rankings yeah without, good question good without, question without going without breaking cover on your um you know strength off uh, <laughs> that's it top that's it ranking panel but where, where would you just loosely place them to be honest i think for people traveling if you don't have access to to like karen up um you really would just you'd really just go and um probably have a look at some of the public access courses which are really good i know wembley gets really really good um reviews um really great practice facilities there i mean that's one that people play um i didn't go on this visit collier park's a great little public course for people that, you know we're talking 35 dollars for not for 18 holes is great um the two other courses that i play while i was there probably the other end of the spectrum so one's june which is about 20 minutes half an hour north of the city uh that's probably the one of the higher ranked courses on the top 100 lists um, the championship course I played, it's a little bit different. Again, it's a bit like Collier Park. It's three nine-hole courses. Um, and the quarry and the lake are the two that they joined together to make their premium track. Um, and that was $150 to play. So not not um, not cheap. Um, golf cart included, I found that out when I asked him to hire a, um, a pool buggy uh, as I was walking out the door. Um, but probably a little bit different in the fact that the two courses are not really similar. So the, the just the, the layout of them is quite different. So it's a bit, it's just quite funny playing 18 holes on the course where the two nines are very different um, different courses. Um, and the other one that I played was the cut down at Port Bouvard, so down at Mandraway. So that's about an hour south, um, probably an hour and a half if you're like me and you're driving down on the Saturday of a long weekend. Um, I think that was about $80. It's, it's along the coastline just pristine up and down the sand dunes um as had probably a bit of wear and tear probably had a little bit of traffic over summer but yeah some great little holes um, a lot of blind shots into off tees and into greens um just really good fun i played with a couple of really really um great members there which is good good fun uh Jundalup, have you played Jundalup? yeah that was one yeah Jundalup, oh, yeah sorry. so yeah. that was that was that was um saturday uh, saturday sunday morning saturday, have, sunday morning have you played uh Cottesloe before Never played Cottesloe. Cottesloe right. is one of the very few courses I haven't played in Perth. Um, right down on the water, Cottesloe. So it looks a bit like a, it's a definitely a linksy style course, but very open. It's on the. It looks like from when you drive along the water there and look up, it's kind of on the side of the hill. Oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of um, Seaview. Haven't played Cottesloe. That's one Rocket loves. Mm. They're all down near Cottesloe, but yeah, in the I, suburb of. I remember uh, from my junior days, and you know, having many WA state teams come across to the Jack Newton Junior Golf uh, Classic, Sub Junior Classic. The WA teams are always very strong and always heavily weighted towards Cottesloe. So it must have been a little bit of a factory for, you know, developing elite golfers back in the day. I'm not sure what it's like at the moment. If uh, anyone wants to tell us who are the guns coming out of Cottesloe, please feel free to drop us a line. Uh, but, well, there's a great uh, little summary of your weekend in Perth. And then you came back and played where? You, you didn't, there wasn't travelling halfway around the country, well, not halfway, <laughs> all the way around the country, yes. um, halfway around the world. Um, you came back and that wasn't enough golf, so you took yourself down to uh, the Mornington Peninsula. I did. I played the Dunes yesterday. Um, had the worst day with the putter I think I've ever had, ever. Did I just could not get the speeds right. They looked... If anyone's played down the Mornington Peninsula, in particular the Dunes or St Andrews Beach, you know the greens can be quite quick, especially on nice days. It was you know twenty something degree day yesterday? It was very nice, and they must have watered them because as quick as they looked, they just weren't quick. Um, and so I just could not get the speeds right. I picked up on one hole. We're playing Stableford, and I had thirty-seven putts uh, outside of that, which is not good. Um, and still have 36 points. So that tells you how frustrated I was because Tita Green, I was very, very good. Um, but yeah, putting, couldn't get in the hole. Okay. Uh, Dunes, where do you rank Dunes down there on the peninsula courses? Not trying to steal a thunder of a strong golf passport podcast. <laughs> uh, go and listen to that with Maddie and Scott. Uh, but, uh, someone, one of my uh, young staff members was playing down at the Dunes, uh, maybe today or maybe yesterday. And he said this is one of the best courses in on the peninsula. Uh, maybe said maybe said it's the best course on the peninsula. I said it's probably around fourth or fifth for me. Um, you know, where do you, where would you put the tunes? You know, if you had to go on public access, you, let's just say public access, just public access. Yep. You ready? Yep. Best public access course in Australia, the Dunes. But I'll put a little star at the end of that. All right. But best public access course in Australia. 
based on ease of use and cost comfortably. Okay. So Wickham, Barnboogle, all better, right? But they're $150, $200 to go and play and Wickham's not exactly one you just shoot over to for a quick 18 and go home. Um, yeah. What's, the dunes, it, what's ease of use? You can just drive down there and play. Oh, right. Public access calls. And, and, and yeah, it's, just, it's what is it? An hour out of Melbourne. Ease of access. But ease of use, uh, I would think it's actually rates really higher than ease of use because it's quite walkable. It's easily walkable. Oh, yeah, yeah. In that, yeah. I mean, ease of access, access maybe a better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. So, like, Barn Boogles comfortably. Yeah. No, yeah. Bit, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's just in the middle of nowhere. So, it's hard, uh, so, harder to get to. So, for people, think, for people thinking about just coming down to Melbourne and they might want to. Yeah, do a couple of sand belts and pay their two, three, four hundred bucks or whatever. Yep. Um, but they want to shoot down there and their public yep. access. They're not going to get access to the National or yeah. Sorrento or yep. whatever. Um, so yeah, there's would... only there's only two you'd play: uh, St Andrews Beach and the Dunes. And the Dunes, I'd give the nod just slightly, uh, and and they're both toss a coin. You know, neither again have a bad day. I think the Dunes. Um, Walkability's much yeah. easier at, at the dunes and it's slightly cheaper. So I want to say yesterday might have been about 95 and I want to say that uh, St. Andrews might be just over 100. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. But definitely that ease of yourself when you said that, I thought, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, the dunes is a far more accessible in terms of walkability. Um, yeah. The St. Andrews Beach walking can be a little bit arduous between tea to green if you're walking. It's probably – I walk everywhere – um, there's only two courses that I don't walk. I wouldn't walk, I should say. One's Ocean Dunes um, on King Island because it's the gaps between holes yep. out of control. Um, and probably St. Andrews. St. Andrews got some solid walks and some solid hills. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not impossible to walk, definitely. But, um, yeah, it is, it's one of the courses where I, I normally hire a car. Oh, good. Good on you for getting out and putting a shoulder, a shoulder, a shoulder, a shoulder, putting, a, thanks for getting, good on you for getting out and putting a solid shift in the golf. Um, that was a very bad Sean Connery impersonation. Uh, solid shift is what I was trying to say. Um, well done. I haven't played golf. Uh, I still, I'm still uh, a little bit tingy, twingy on the back, Mike, and I can't go out there and swing at that, uh, you know, regular Keyser. 100. And- We've had the boys on from Keyser. I'm sure there's one that's not far from you, probably in yeah. Frankston. Uh, I've got to get the posture right. Uh, there is one down in Mornington, actually. Uh, yeah, I can't swing at that 112 miles an hour just with without thinking about it. I measured it the other day, and the ability is like, uh, at the moment, 98 miles an hour, so I'm not going out with that. Well, when we last played with mm. TC... Mm. There's one thing we noted, and I was playing to I literally played as bad as I've played in a long time, but I was hitting the ball quite flat off the tee, okay. and I changed one thing up, and I don't think I've hit the ball better since then. Oh, what did you t- what did you change, Mike? Let the listeners know. No, but then everyone will do it. Then I'll be back to the middle of the pack again. No, um, literally the only thing I started to do to help myself stay back behind the ball was in my brain which has got a lot of room in it, um, <laughs> was concentrating on uh, on hitting it through, you know, the higher window, like the, the high, higher shot. So it really helped me stay right behind it and give it a launch. And, yeah, like, yeah, played golf with Cheese yesterday, who's been down to Barnburg with us, and he walked off and said, I don't think I've ever seen you hit the ball like that before. Like, uh, l- carry was frightening. It was okay. great. Caveat on this statement, it's not uh, golf advice. I'm not qualified to give golf advice, but after fitting 1,757 uh, new drivers in the last not eight, nine years, you know, I've seen a few drivers being um, scunned, um, shanked, skied, towed, healed, uh, and middled. But one thing I do know is when people struggle in a simulated environment to hit the shots that they want, once I point out, hit the ball, feel like you're hitting the ball to this window here, you know, and I know when they hit it into that part yep. of the screen. And they go, oh, right, yeah, okay. And all of a yep. sudden they've got a little frame of reference Correct. and they're hitting a window and all of a sudden they start hitting the ball flight that they want. Just by uh, changing uh, the mindset into hitting the ball to a certain launch point or yes. a window uh, yes. just changes everything. I, was, I, said, uh, I joked with the boys when I walked off the cut on Saturday. I can't remember their names. I wish I could because I have really, really nice guys, members down there at the cut. Baz, um, Bob, Bill. No, no, I did write him on my card too. I was going to find the card, but I um, 
I, I said to the boys, they, they said the same thing. So on, I finished birdie, birdie. So if anyone's played the cut, um, there's a draw. I'll call it a drivable par four, seventeenth. But you, it's a blind shot over the corner of a dune, and you really need some luck to get it anywhere near the green. And I was only going okay, so I just ripped into this driver over the dune, and um, we walk around the corner, and the boys that are putting are not real happy with me because it's up on the edge of the green. Mm. Um, the big Victorian. <laughs> and I drove down there and said, look, I'm really sorry, not a member. I didn't exactly know that I was going to hit it because it's a 300-meter hole. Like, it, it's clearly kicked off the back of the dune and run for miles. Bloody from Victoria, are you? <laughs> That's it. And then birdie the last. So I went birdie, birdie, finish was great and sat and sitting down with the boys and having a beer. And they were talking about drivers. And I said, and I told them the same thing about hitting it high. I said, but do you know what made me really struggle in Perth? There's no clouds. In my brain, I normally in Melbourne, I look up and I can see a cloud. And I'm thinking, right, that's the wind I'm going through. Through that cloud in Perth, it was just no, not a cloud in the sky. So it really struggled to try and pick a point to go, right, that's where I'm aiming. Oh, yeah. well, there, there you go, people. Uh, shoot, for, shoot for the clouds and you'll have success, according to Mike Caridi. Uh, you, you should uh, you should jump on. Uh, you should get. Uh, we should get Baden Schaff back on because I know he's been a big part of your golfing journey. And, uh, oh, God. He, he doesn't want to see my swing. Doesn't want to see your swing. Uh, it's still too long. We need to fix the length. I haven't got around to that yet. Uh, just a shout-out to Baden Schaff, uh, one of Australia's great golf coaches, one of Australia's most entrepreneurial golf coaches, uh, founder of Skillist, um, and also Andy Proudman. They have a great episode of Live Like a Legend podcast, which is out now. You can listen to Andy Proudman, who I have a lot of time for and I really look up to as a golf instructor and a golf business uh, leader and entrepreneur and also a thought leader, but also Shafi, who's been on the post. Both those guys have been on the podcast. They've got a um, great podcast together where they talk about the growth of Skillist. Um, if you want to get some skillist uh, lessons, you go to Chris McClatchy Golf. Uh, check out Chris. He used to work in the store at uh, in our golf facility there and got too big. Basically had to ship himself out because he got too big for the venue and now he's got his own facility but does a heap of skillist coaching. Chris McClatchy is a good fella. And Dom and oh, Shafi. Well, of course. And Dom, well, Dom is – I think Dom is not doing as many lessons on skillist uh, okay. now because he's – He's taking he's got a, he's he's got taking, some more he, important stuff. Well, he's got a high calibre, and that perfectly leads into what we should really be talking about, and that's the golf, uh, Mike. Uh, not about ourselves. Um, we like talking, you know, anyway. Um, Dom, Dom as a party has a solid roster of high calibre golfers, winning calibre of golfers. Momoka Kabori uh, on the LET. Australia's very own Karis Davison, one of the funniest young women golfers that I've met. Uh, she's also actually born in Scotland and uh, she and I switched into our Scottish accents on on command and it was very funny. Uh, Karis Davison playing in the USPG, uh, LPGA Tour. But also he's got uh, Lucas Herbert, who we all know, uh, we love, who won the, on the DP World Tour this weekend. He uh, shipped himself off to go and play in the ISPS Hander event. Now, Lucas is a new ISPS Hander global ambassador, so it was only fitting that he would go off to Japan and finally got there, didn't get to see the course, had to rely on Pewdog, who I believe had a bit of experience previously uh, up there in that part of Asia and Japan, of course. Basically, Pewdog, he put his trust in Pewdog. Pewdog told him where to hit it. He hit it there. And come the last day, finds himself in a tie for the lead with uh, Mr. Cockrell from Canada. Had never had a win on tour. Finds himself in a playoff situation and uh, gets the job done. Now, Mike, I'm not sure. if Did you catch any of uh, the Herbitron? I did. I did. Um, yeah, I actually was watching Herbie on the socials and he was stuck on a few different flights. So, um, yeah, as you said, he... Um he very much got stuck without a practice round and then straight into it uh, in round one. Round one, I'm pretty sure he went, yeah, he went just like a 67 and then round two, he, he fired a 63, which which shot him right up the leaderboard and the few interviews that he had after that time were pretty much like, no, no, I'm, I'm, there's nothing short of a win. Is he going to be happy with here? Um, and Aaron Cockrell, I'm sure that at some point in the last kind of year or so, he's been right in the mix when another it might have been with Min Woo one I can't remember but I remember seeing him right in the mix at the point but he, as you said he hasn't had a win yet um they did make a playoff um both on the first time up 18 in the well sorry Cockrell had a chance to make birdie on 18 and and win outright on on in 72nd hole and uh he dumped his second shot into the bunker and then hit an excellent bunker shot out to about a foot and a half to tap in birdie uh, tap in par so we knew we were going to extra holes. Um, Lucas wandered out. Now, why I tell you that 
is because there was a young lady sitting next to Herbie while they were waiting to see Ampu Dog to see whether there was going to be a playoff. So they went out to the first playoff hole. Um, both lads hit great shots. Um, both had chance for birdies, and um, Herbie's rolled over the corner, and uh, Cockrell's lipped out. So they both tapped in their pars. They went back up 18 again. Now, Herbie let, let the same cut go off the tee on 18 that he did the first time around, but this time it was starting at the middle and fading right, which is not good. And the ball hopped into the woods and hit what looked like a young lady, and then it stopped on the cart path. Now, the question I have is, I probably should just get you to message Jamie. I'm almost certain the girl that it hit and that stopped it from flying 20 metres deep into the forest was the girl that was sitting next to Herbie while he was waiting to see if there was going to be a playoff. So yeah. I'm not saying that he did anything untoward, but I just think it was pure fluke that he's hit someone in his team. It's landed on the car path. He then gets relief from the car path, which actually gave him a shot at the green, which he absolutely hit a pearl off um, hard pan line and um, made his birdie and won. So... Yeah, yeah. If that girl's not a part of his team before. She should be now. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Mile of Golf podcast. Bring in the controversies. Uh, well, I messaged Herbie to see if he'd co- confirm or deny, but he's not going to confirm. He's not going to reply, reply no, back to me in a million years, even if, especially if it was true. Uh, Mike, um, it was a good win. Is Herbie the best putter in tournament golf at the moment? Uh, he is top. Well, I can tell you exactly what he is, but I'm sure that he is top. Top five on tour in the PGA Tour. There's a lot of these other stuff that's not quite working that well, but he's very, very good putter. Very mm. good. Yeah, no, he's clutch. Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have anyone else uh, in your, um, in your uh, four-person Ambrose team. Uh, and Saturday at Bendigo Golf Club, um, putting out uh, after you've all shown him the line because he is absolutely laser sharp, spot on. Uh, well done, Herbie. Uh, well done to the team, uh, Dom Az and Jamie Glazier. Congratulations on another fine uh, win for your young steed, Lucas Herbert. Now, uh, what else did we have? We had the um, the Chevron. Did you, I didn't see any of the Chevron. I'm sorry that to the to the women listeners that uh, I didn't see any of that. That's women's major. Um, did you, did you catch very that? very small amount. Um, one in a playoff again, uh, Lilia Vu. Um, one over Angel Yin. Um, yeah, I watched a little bit while I was traveling over in Perth, so I didn't catch too much. It's If you ever think Melbourne's a bad place to watch golf for time, Perth ain't, ain't good at all because yeah. you're, you're two hours further behind. So by the time I'm waking up at seven, um, yeah, it's over. So um, it, was, it made it a little bit difficult to watch. So, um, yeah, again, I didn't get to watch much of it at all. Uh, what I did want to say is if you do want to catch up on you know a deep dive into the Chevron uh, LPGA, um, that major. Dive over and listen to the uh, two episodes dedicated to it from the boys at No Laying Up. Uh, listen to that, you know, and they. What I, the point I want to make is they're making a real conscious effort to cover in more depth and more often, uh, almost to the same as they cover the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour. So that's a great uh, initiative and a lot of effort going into that. That from the guys at No Laying Up, which is great. Um, Dive in over there and check out the guys. Uh, shout out to Tron, who's over there, just finished up at Macrahanish. You know, probably, as I've said many times before, my new favourite destination. If you wanted to drop me somewhere and finish off my time playing golf in a town, in a part of a world, it's it's not quite toss of a coin. I think the ledger would end up in Macrahanish. Now, Tron and uh, his good friend Jim Hartzell have been over there producing some uh, video-style content that we'll see later on. Uh, Neil McRae, who's a good friend of mine, who is up there in Macahannish for a month, was out there filming with them and helping them out. Uh, I hope they had a good time. I'm pretty sure that they did. And Lynx Robbie, of course, Lynx Robbie was up there, is the ultimate chaperone. So can't wait to see what they produce uh, at there in uh, Macahannish. Uh, I can't wait to go back. I wish I was there. I would like to be at Macahannish um, for that round, but uh, certainly not. I was here. Uh, what else, Mike? Um, we had the... Uh Zurich yeah, in the Zurich. Uh, the Zurich the Pairs event, so didn't, probably didn't, the don't even know the who, least. Don't even know who won. Now Nick Hardy and Davis Riley teamed up to win. Um, again, it's just not an event that I don't think anyone gets too excited by. It's kind of a little bit of a not a not a funny part of the season. I don't know how to describe the silly season is probably the best way to put it. A silly season in the middle of the year. I think it's it's a good event to have because it is something a little bit different. Um, obviously, it's it hasn't moved from um, New Orleans in a while. 
uh, New Orleans. Yeah, um, not going crazy. Um, it was good to see a few names up the top of the leaderboard. Honestly, that weren't Shoffley and um, Cantlay because I think they were the two the red hot favourites, even though they didn't finish far behind in tied fourth. Uh, it was good to see a few guys up there having a bit of fun and enjoying it. Um, obviously, it doesn't pay as much as the other events we've had recently, but good to see two guys that haven't won on tour win. Um, and one was, I think it was Nick Hardy. No, it was Davis Riley, I believe, who had hit a beautiful putt from off the green uh, on about the 16th or 17th hole, um, which ended up getting him the win. That was pretty much all the highlights that I saw of the event throughout the week. It was, other again, a little bit like most of the golf I got to catch this weekend in uh, fits and spurts. So, um no, good luck to him. Um, I think it was one of those weeks where it's a good week to have off. I'm paying much attention to PGA Tour golf. Oh, well, the, you wouldn't see Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, uh, Ricky Fowler, or well, definitely not Smiley Kaufman. You wouldn't see them figure on the leaderboard because they were at spring break. I think they had, didn't yeah, they have the didn't have the band back together. They, yeah, I did see that. I don't must. I'm, I think a lot of the times this sort of event, either people take a week off. I mean, if you think about the run of the events that they've had of late. Um, and we're only about, what, three weeks away from the PGA um, Championship. I think it's a perfect week to have a week off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, there was another event on in Australia that captured a little bit of um, global attention, definitely captured the attention of the Australian media and golfing public. Uh, it's called Live Golf Adelaide, Mike. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard of, heard of it, but uh, I was oh, there. Oh, I've heard something. Yeah, yeah, you were there. I was there. I was there. Um, here's your chance to uh, take me on a deep dive question and Q and A of uh, Live Golf Adelaide because I know you, I know you can't wait to find out uh, what it was like, what I thought. Oh yeah, tell me what was it like. Well, what was it, what was the? Uh... It was great. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'll start very, with a yeah. Yeah, to answer the very broad question, overarching, it was fantastic. Yep. Now, and what uh, when you went? What were you expecting, and how close was it to what you were expecting? Okay, good question. Uh, hard thing for me to answer. Um, I was going with a little bit of intrepidation, you know that 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 it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to live up to the hype, and uh, and I don't know why. I maybe was nervous about that because you know I'd sort of pumped it up in my own mind. Or I'd pumped it up pretty much positively every time that we get the opportunity to speak about it, and I've been fairly boy, um, you know, buoyant about. The prospects of live, you know, I'm one of the live attractors. Um, well, as soon as you get there, you know, the infrastructure that they had on site, and as soon as you walked in, it was like, wow, this is the real deal. This is a proper full scale big golf tournament. The the build, the whole environment was 100% first class, and you know, even in the I got there on the Wednesday, so it's not a tournament day; it's a practice day. Uh, there's no public. Uh, just media, uh, teams, team hangers-on and all that sort of thing were there. And even on the practice day, the music is pumping, the vibe is up, and um, all of the, you know, you get a little bit closer to, to the players and you get to see them interacting. It was really positive. And from that moment on, you know, as soon as you got this, I, I think there's something in psychology that says when, you, when you're hearing music all the time that it's a, it puts you in a good frame of mind, Um that was the that was the vibe that it sort of started from the day, and as soon as it come to uh, Thursday tournament day, the queues were massive to get in. Everyone got shuffled in. Um, the gates opened about nine thirty. Uh, play starts at eleven forty five, and everyone was treated to straight walking straight in the gate to some music pumping, and the players on the range warming up, and the the atmosphere was great now did that live up to my expectations that exceed that part of it exceeded my expectations i didn't go into it thinking like that because you know even though the tagline is golf but louder and all that sort of thing you you don't go into a golf tournament i've only been into a handful of big golf tournaments with that expectation but certainly as you walk in it was like you know remember when you walk into your favorite bar and you know the right sort of music's playing and you think right i'm ready for a good time now that was the sort of mood that uh, i think most of the people that walked in sort of experienced and of course that was amplified by the fact that they were there to experience experience some good quality golfers playing on a good quality golf course so that met my and exceeded my expectations um how much i can see you wearing a people won't watch this i can see you wearing a majestics uh hoodie oh yeah i picked up a majestics hoodie on the way there mike um uh, well the, the other I heard thing- i heard the merch was flying off the shelves 
on day one, the, there was a massive queue. As soon as the gates opened, there was a massive queue. There was several merch tents around the joint. There wasn't just one. There was at least, I think, three that I saw. Um, but the first, the main one, which was near, you know, the sort of complex of the clubhouse and the 10th and first tees and the practice range, yeah, it was, it was chock-a-block for the first couple of hours, you know, line up. You know, it was like the open big line to get in and, um, and so on and so forth. But it sort of petered out. And by sort of lunchtime afternoon, you know, you could pretty much walk in, but it was chock-a-block in there. Um, you know, and the, the merch setup is there is each of the teams have their merch and then you have the live merch. So, you know, you've got a choice and, and away you go. You can choose your team hats. Of course, uh, Ripper GC merch was flying out. They had some T-shirts. I think every third man and his, um, you know, other mate there, bought a Cameron Smith t-shirt. They had a few different colours with a Cameron Smith motif on the front. Uh, so it was great, but there was a whole swag of merch going out. The Range Coat stuff was really popular. I think the Range Coat's merch actually sold out. Uh, this uh, hoodie that I've got on, which is, you know, not too dissimilar to the My Love of Golf hoodie um, that we've both got, uh, it was $125. You know, I think that's sort of fairly standard merch prices, you know, that's what you pay for a hoodie in a golf shop type thing. Um, yeah, it's nice. I got them. Why did I get the Majestics? I don't know. I spent maybe six or seven holes following uh, Ian Poulter, who was out there in the Pro-Am with the Australian Golf Digest team. Um, so I was over there sort of partly with them, I guess, and uh, I was taking the photos of Poulter and, and the group that he was playing with in the, in the um, Pro-Am, Travis Head and Brad Clifton from Australian Golf Digest. So I got a little bit up close and personal with Ian, didn't really talk to him, but, um, you know, I just thought, oh, well, you know, go there you go. I bought the Majestics one. I like the colour. It's blue with the Navy Majestics logo on it. Um, I didn't I, I didn't want to be like, every, everyone's going to have a Ripper GC uh, hoodie. There was some expensive merch there, Mike. Um, the Liv have got a partnership with, and the name of the brand escapes me. It's a new brand. I believe it's the people that were the founders of Travis Matthew that now that they're, Travis Matthew got bought out by Callaway and they've served their sort of leave of absence for coming back into the industry. They've come in with a new brand and I'm pretty sure that they've partnered with Liv. Their merch was, I guess, on the exercise, exercise, exercise. Uh, the Birds of Condor did a partnership with Liv. They have some really cool Birds of Condor shirts there. You saw uh, Fisher was wearing one as he busted out his set. Um, yeah, they weren't cheap, but, um, you know, Tell me the last time you went to a to a big event and there was cheap merch. Yeah, it doesn't happen. So no, no, I think that's about around the mark, I guess, from what what you would spend. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting to see see how much of it floats around, I guess, over the um the next few months out yeah. in the golf course. Uh, in terms of the media side of things, uh, it was excellent. The you know they did the the communication in the lead up from the team at Live Golf. Uh, how they treat the media, you know, the information they were feeding out to the media, um, the access that they give to the various documents that go with um, being part of the media, the transcripts of interviews, uh, the picture portal, um, and all of that, super easy to use, super accessible. The media centre was, you know, I've only seen maybe three media centres now. It was the best one that I've seen. Plenty of room, easy access to Wi-Fi power, tables, lockers, you know, like I have my cameras there, obviously, uh, I didn't want to carry them all around with me and they had a locker there, which was, here's a key, Ross, there you go. Thanks very much. Bring the key back when you're finished. I could lock the stuff in there. It was absolutely first class. They had a big um, dining tent for the media, so they had some food and drinks and, and all of that sort of stuff, so they catered for it. There was bathrooms there for the media. Um, it was really good. It was it, They were really, really very respectful of people, very polite. Uh, the media team was managed by... TLA, TLA, uh, same people that manage the football um, football uh, players, you know, so they were working in conjunction with Liv to manage the media. Uh, every media outlet in Adelaide was there. There was more cameras, um, news crew, etc. There, so they did a good, they did a great job with that. It was, it was really good in comparison to what I've seen before. Had no access, uh, no problems getting on the course with uh, the camera. I didn't get enough time on the course with the camera. I would like to have really been dedicated to it and hats off to uh, Stu Kerr. You know, if you know, I know Stu is a mate, friend of the podcast, friend of ours, 
Stu. Stu, I got the chance to see Stu in the morning and then see Stu at the end of the day, and he just was on the go from dawn to dusk. And if you look at his Instagram, see some of the quality images that Stu put out, it's next level. It's like, yeah, Stu is a great photographer and it's golfer's journal style of, you know, art-based photography and it made the event look fantastic. Now, Stu was there representing the Grange Golf Club where he's a member, so he wasn't working for Liv, he wasn't working for himself, he was there working for the Grange Golf Club and they now have a, an archive of, you know, high-quality photos of that event which really did showcase the Grange uh, layout, that composite layout that they played over their um, course really, really well. So that was great. Um, you know, Live Golf have their own camera TV infrastructure, so they've got about 65 cameras on course, several drones, um, a team of photographers that are dedicated Live Golf photographers there. Again, you know, that is all part of how they're presenting their version of, the, of this tournament. And then each of the teams have their own own personal media crews. So uh, I got to speak to Antonio from the Four Aces. Now he's had all the gear that I had, you know, the gimbals, the cameras, the video. You know, obviously he's a very skilled operator. He was just banging out content, bang, bang, bang. He'd be out there shooting, come back in, edit it out and push it out. Unbelievable. So all of the teams have, the, it's very much like that Formula One eyes approach to team. Um, each of the teams have the team within the team. You know, these guys are sitting together as teams and, and operating and producing uh, the content and the entertainment value of their teams as as a team. Um, they're mixing together. The teams were mixing together, sitting together, having breakfast together, having lunch together, you know, having after after round um, meals together and their teams around that were all joining in, all that sort of stuff. It was it was a good little behind-the-scenes behind the scenes insight into uh, yeah, the media environment, but also I had got, was lucky enough to get an insight into the players' environment in the players' lounge there and just be a fly on the wall um, in that environment as well. Not for the purposes of reporting on that, but I did get to see it. Mm, it was great. So that's Tyler Gooch was a winner. Tyler Gooch with the lazy 10 under, 10 under, round one and two. Pretty, um, pretty impressive. Back-to-back uh, -back 10 unders. Um, very impressive, very impressive. So Taylor Gooch, uh, what did he pick up? He picks up, uh, I've got it here, again. Uh, Taylor Gooch picks up, do you, have, do you know how much money he picked up? Four, no. $4 million, Mike. $4 million and a band, Lahiri, uh, who also played in the Australian Golf Digest uh, Pro-Am group in the first nine holes. So they, they rotate the pros over the nine holes. So one pro plays in the first nine holes and then they swap out and play, what? another one plays in the second nine holes. So what, LPGA, or was it? LPJ does it as well. Uh, Doesn't um. I think the I think the Super Sixes. <laughs> the, Super Sixes did it too. Yeah, yeah. definitely LPJ does it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Um, what's his name? It was a guy who used to be head of LPJ. Is now head of the um. Mark Wan. USPGA. Mark Wan. Yeah, I think that was one of his ideas. Great idea. So the Golf Digest team played with Anaban off the first tee. Off yeah, the first tee. Um, they all hit off the first tee. There's not a, it's not a shotgun start, so they play a. a um, whoa 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 whoa! What? You're telling me they didn't have a shotgun start for the pro, but they do for the tournament. They didn't have a shotgun start for the pro-am, but they do for the tournament. I'm telling you that. So it just allows all of the teams to play. Off I get the, it, mate. The yeah, I get it. No, but they play off the first team. They've got the announce. They've got the announcers there. There was some yep. visit uh, people that were in there. There was a crowd there, and um, you know they give them the same music and the same vibe. Maybe without some of the pyrotechnics, but uh, you know the the, the pro-am participants got that. So yeah, that's yeah, something different. Uh, Patrick, but the, but the, the um. How long the program go for? What time did they start? Was it like a heap of groups or? Yeah, yeah, was it just, yeah. yeah. Like night, there was, uh, it was like nine o'clock tee off to about eleven. Yeah, it's like a two hour tee off window. Yeah, uh, it, it was won by the group um, comprising of Jason Fong and the Golf Gods. Jason Fong, the boss of Bali, um, and the uh, Golf Gods group. That's who won. I'm not sure what their score was, but they won. I was out there on the party hole, took some photos of uh, Jason Fong, the boss of Bali, a uh, new friend of the podcast, um, on the party hole. He was very appreciative of that. Patrick Reed came third, Cameron Smith fourth, Cameron Tringale, uh, who was a question mark over he was actually going to make the field. Interestingly, in the practice round, Cameron Tringale played by himself while Wade Ormsby was in playing with Phil Mickelson and the other um, high flyers. Just I think they were preparing if Wade was going to come in, he might have slotted into that high flyers. Oh, that's not confirmed, but Wade was definitely out playing the practice round while Cameron Tringali, who I thought might have been a little bit injured. Someone did tell me that. Um, but no, certainly he obviously came up good and and um, with a score of 201, he was uh, you know, getting this uh, million bucks for equal third, tied third. Peter Uline, there, there's, a, there's a name that 
keeps getting better. Um, Petty Eline. Now, Mike, uh, do you know um, the four races uh, won? They won three million bucks. Range Goats GC was second, one point five million bucks, and uh, Stinger GC uh, third, half a million bucks. Very good. They've got another stat here. Team rosters no. Um, they provide very good stats, uh, Mike. Them where? Oh, on the media site, they give they um just round one stats, round two stats, round three stats. I'll just bring these stats up here. Whole location. So the information they give is whole locations, pairings, weather, birdies, individual birdies, um, round one stats, all rounds. I think Peter Peter Ulines had the most birdies in the. Uh, 61 birdies, I could be wrong, I read it somewhere. But um, yeah, there's, there's all these documents here of all the stats that they give out. They've got the, um, a, they've got, I, I didn't get the name of it, but basically behind every hole there's a couple of guys there with an iPad just plotting every shot to hole and all of the different data that just with an iPad just dotting it on. And if they can't see it or they didn't capture it, they have to grid it. And they've always got these references there of um, where they were playing their putts for and how long the putts were, for, were and all that sort of thing. Um, once again, I didn't get to follow it and study it enough to really get the gist of it, but yeah, there was every green had two fellas and an iPad plotting out data of every one of the shots to the hole. Um, so, pretty good. Uh, what else, Mike? What else? What else do you want to know? The vibe? It was it was unbelievable. It really was. You know, you've probably heard many people say how, how positive the crowd experience was and, you know, I know... You know, it's easy to say that we've been starved of quality golf here in Australia and seeing that many good quality golfers, of course, it was going to be um, positive. But the crowd, and there was a lot of crowd, were very, very, very well behaved, um, enjoyed the golf. You know, they could make enough noise because there was enough other noise going around with the music that, you know, nothing really got in the way. There was There was no extraneous noises that put anyone off you know there's no pretentiousness or you know telling people to can you put that down i didn't see any of that because everyone i think behaved themselves and as i say most of the tees had speakers on them pumping a bit of noise out um as i said you got noise people are in a good mood they were moving around pretty well obviously the the most most of the crowds were centered around some of the bigger names you know the the crowd around cameron smith's group was you know like same as at the open it was that that level of crowd following that group, I'd have to say. Um, so, so yeah, the corporate facilities were great, you know, all that sort of stuff. I did have a bit of time, a bit of a look into one of the, the highest-end corporate facility. Um, it was really good. Yeah, well, it, was, it was great. I saw the shark. I uh, saw Peter Malinowskis. I uh, saw, um, what's his name, the Fisher. I thought, I didn't know who Fisher was, um, embarrassingly so. I saw Fisher. No, I had no idea who he was. Uh, I didn't one, know he was a DJ. Once I once I me. once I realised who he was, I remembered him from the Instagram. You know his funny tongue movements and his very Australian accent. But I actually saw when I heard Fisher was a DJ, I thought Fisher was his security guard. Um, but no, someone said no, that's the security guard. That's Fisher over there. Young Aussie fellow from from uh, those parts of the world. Mm, I heard he was um, talking about it on the radio this morning. I think he cost half a million dollars to hire. Which yeah. I was like, that's a lot of money. And I think I think they had to get him out here from Coachella, where he's currently on, you know, Coachella's on. I think they had to get him out and get him back. So he's only here for a couple of days and they was basically there and then back. Wow. So um I think they had Birds of Tokyo on Saturday night. And once again, the the crowd that you saw at the the um the concert, so the concert setup was just past the spectator you know, the, the, the spectator village, you know, where there was heaps of food, heaps of beer, heaps of other activities that you could do. It was as good as any I've seen. Um, probably better. Uh, the concert venue was just down the end there and, you know, from right from the spectator village right down to the concert um, stage, it was packed. It was like a full festival type of, you know, level of crowd. Um so, yeah, you probably saw pictures of it. And if you've listened to this, you probably saw pictures of it and you knew that already. But, yeah, it was great. It was good. What else? What else um, I didn't see any of it, mate. It's very hard to ask a question. I saw the hole in one on the highlights. Mm. Um, so just, I was a bit... Sorry, go on. Yes. A bit. A bit. It was a bit... It looked It looked very busy and it looked looked like it was pumping, like you said, that the... the, the um, 
what did they call it? watering hole. Um, probably the part that I was a bit disappointed in was the carry on with throwing the throwing the cans of beer on the green. Like I know that the the, the bloody did it at Scottsdale as well. It's just so just silly, especially when it's cans. Like someone could get hurt with that. That that's the only bit I thought was a bit weird. As, as you know, it's exciting. Someone's had a hole in one and throw a plastic cup in there or throw your drink in the air if you want to throw your drink, but hold on to the bloody can or the, the, the cup. But I thought that was a bit weird. Yeah, look, so at the end of the day, um, when the last player had hit off, they would shower the, that tea with uh, the plastic. It seemed to be plastic cups in the main from that from the tea end. Um, I'm pretty sure it was, it was plastic cups down there. I don't think it was cans. It was definitely cans. No, it's cans. At the tea end? As well. Oh, I don't know. I just um, someone sent someone had a video and it was cans landing on the green. So the ones at the green end, which happened the ones when the hole in one happened, I think. Um, yeah, there were definitely cans in that end of the corporate facility. I think, I think it's good. Like, I think that the they've clearly executed the best party hole we've had in Australia, and it's mimicking it. You know, the one they have in Scott style, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think it's. It's just um, we need to be better than the Yanks. Oh, sorry for the, the American listeners we have, but we can carry on. But yeah, the, the, when when they were throwing the cans, I just was shaking my head. I just I mean I only saw the highlights, so mm-hmm. I just thought you don't need to do that. We're better than that. Like jump around, scream, enjoy the music, like you said. You want to throw your drink in the air, or if it's a plastic cup, it's not going to hurt someone. But like throwing cans of beer onto the green, even even from a golf point of view, like wet now beer-soaked greens with dings in it, I was a bit like, why would you do that? I didn't see that part. I wasn't there. I saw I saw um, at the end of play where they threw it on at the end of play. Now it was the end of play, and I, I don't think anyone sort of begrudged that. Now it was, the, the crowd was pretty amped up. Uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I don't think it was frowned upon at that end, and I don't think it was as elaborate as, obviously, uh, the... Um, TPC Scottsdale, I don't think it was the same as that. There was no streakers, there was no people running around, diving in the dam and all that sort of thing. Um, although you did, say, you did show a picture of a lady exposing herself. There was one streaker, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> from another video I got sent. Um, yeah, look, I guess you got your take on that. I don't think it was uh, offended the people that were there. It's I'm not, not, yeah, again, I'm not... <laughs> the, the, the crowds were very respectful, like there was no... Bubba Booey, there was none of that. People weren't yelling out because there was music there masking anything. The crowds were still absolutely pretty much very quiet while the players were hitting. That, that definitely is a trait of Australian golf fans to be quiet and reserved when the players are hitting. Yeah. There was a, I think, there was a few I think it's only up. the par three. The par, I mean, the, the, the party hole thing's a different thing, right? Yeah. And I've literally only seen the highlights from the party hole here and there, and I know that they were um, chanting as they were mid-swing. But again, I don't know the rest of the course. How many were out there? I don't know. And and the noises and stuff and music playing while they're playing is is yeah, like you said, part and parcel, I guess. Um, quick fact on on round one birdies. Taylor Gooch clearly had ten birdies for his ten under. You know who had the second? I don't know what he shot. You know who had the second most uh, amount of birdies, and he's a player that I only saw really once uh, during the event. Henrik Stenson, eight birdies. I don't know. I don't know. Pat, Pat Perez, seven birdies. Richard Bland, six birdies. Phil Mickelson, six birdies. There was a lot of birdies out there. Um, anyway, uh, what can I say? I was there for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Came home Saturday night. Um, I would have liked to have stayed for the last day. I would have loved to have stayed for the last day, but I had to get back to a golf shop and do some of that type of work. Where to from here? Lives in Singapore this weekend. Blakey's already up there. Oh, that was the other great thing. Sorry. I got to hang out with Blakey. I got to see Blakey in the wild. Now, uh, if you're in the Discord group, you've seen, you saw me, you know, give a shout out to Blakey and congratulate him on, you know, his achievement of, you know, basically securing a refereeing gig on a on a world tour, um, which was his dream when I met him four years ago, and you know he found himself probably Australia's youngest, most um, experienced young referee. You would think you want young referees out on a tour, young re- referees who want to promote the game of golf and the rules of golf. You would think you'd want them out there front and centre being one of the showpieces of your of your game, but um, he found himself pretty much in an office all the time. 
So subsequently, he's ended up um, exploring opportunities elsewhere. He's now on the Asian tour and the Live tour, as you know. And I got to meet some of Blakey's colleagues and uh, talk to them about their experiences in, on the PGA Tour and also, you know, spent a bit of time. Blakey drove me around in his um, roofless buggy while I took some photos uh, in the practice days. Um, I went out to the hole when he sh- uh, scooted the horn for um, the shotgun start on Sunday, on Saturday. It was, re- it was just good to see him out there enjoying uh, what he's passionate about doing. And, uh, and yes, that was good. Uh, what else? I got to see a couple of new Bushnell products, yeah, the new Bushnell V6 uh, and V6 Shift and the Wingman. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So, live Singapore this weekend. They move straight from here into there. It'd be it, What's going to be interesting for me to see is, you know, what that same build is. Now, the South Australian government went to lengths. I think it was reported that they basically said, you know, we've got all this infrastructure that we own, you know, from the uh, Adelaide, Clips or 500 and all that sort of thing. Here, take it and use it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how uh, Singapore shakes up this week, um, what sort of level of in- infrastructure and how that compares. Very interesting. Uh, Mike, anything else? Um, no. Got it's co- hard. I didn't watch it, so it's very hard to question and apologies. Okay. Well, look, I know that I've always been sort of on the on the – for side of live and uh, I still am and I even more so am after that of course the question marks around live continue how's it how are they going to replicate what happened in Adelaide in that great success in Singapore in America for example where it hasn't been I guess as well received um, where is it going to go in the future are we going to see more events in other parts of the world less I don't know that we don't know that I do get the feeling that it's not going to go away you know, they're here for um, the near term. You know, we're not going to see it all of a sudden shut, shut down as, you know, many people have wanted to have alluded to if it doesn't get the crowds. I'm not sure that that will happen. I think they're fairly committed to the program and the process. And um, I guess, you know, like any new product, it will take a while to, to, to get up to speed. Now, Mike, I know you're, you know, you want to see the best golfers playing on a one tour and give the golfing world the best uh, the best way to see all of the best golfers compete. Clearly, while Live is in existence and as it grows, it's not going to happen to the way that we want, seeing some of those best golfers that we know, like and love, Brooks Kepka, Dustin, etc., etc. But, um, yeah. Who knows what the future holds for Live, but I don't think that it's going to back off on its pursuit of achieving its goals. That's my that's my outtake. That's a rant, Mike. <laughs> There's a lot of people there, and they and they loved it. The people that were there loved it. Easy, easy, easy to love it when you've been starved from seeing it. But there were people from all around Australia that have gone down there. From some of the biggest hitters in Australian business, saw them to some of you know everyday golfers. The avatar of the golfer that was there in the crowd were the people that I've been selling golf clubs to for the last three years. Just out there wanting to have a crack at golf, have really latched onto the enjoyment of golf and the experience that they get in the camaraderie that lives around golf. They're, they were the golfers that I sell golf clubs to. They were the people that were there on the ground from all points of uh, the compass in Australia. Yeah. That's uh, my live, out, live golf outtakes, Mike. That's good. That's a, that's a solid um, overview. And now the questions. I don't know what to ask. <laughs> if anyone wants to know any of the stats uh, of um, of any of that, shoot me a note. I've got I've got access to it. Um, if you want to see it, there's a, there's a lot of information here that they do provide really easily. As I say, that the media communication, the media team, from what I've the little that I've, I've experienced, um, yeah, we just. It's first class. There's there's nothing that you that you can't get access to in a very quick turnaround time from when it's actually happened. And from what I can gather, the media access gives me access to all of the events uh, moving forward. What's the next? other event, the other event on this week, which we won't talk to because I didn't see a second of it, but we'd be remiss if we didn't. Was your boy Mark Ensby winning oh. his first his first uh, Champions Tour event? I did see that. I didn't yeah. watch a minute of it. So well, well done, but, Mark. Yeah, well done, Mark Hensby. Uh, 
Jamie Glazier and I spoke to Mark probably about 12, 18, 12, 15 months ago when he was about to start his journey onto the, uh, the um, Legends Tour, PGA Legends uh, Tour. And he was very, very adamant then. He was, if he plays, he plays decent golf, he'll have a chance to win. Um, he's played several events now and he's been close. You know, he's had some great performances, maybe fallen away at the point, uh, at the pointy end. But uh, there, he, there he goes, gets a win. Uh, that's a great cash um, win for the Hens. Tamworth, uh, the Tamworth boy. Uh, played a lot of golf with Hens as a junior. Well done. Uh, this week in uh, golf, before we finish up, there is tipping that is required this week, everybody. So do not forget uh, the Mexico Open is on this week. Uh, your favorite is John Rahm. John Rahm this week and Mexico is running around at Tiger Peak Tiger odds, $3.50 to go back-to-back in Mexico. Obviously, uh, the green jacket wearing John Rahm is in some fine form. I think it's probably summed up when you look at the third line. So Tony Finau's second favorite. Wyndham Clark, third favorite, um, pretty much sums up where this field is. I think it's the weakest uh, PGA Tour field in a very, very, very long time. Um, And as you can imagine, coming into the majors, I think a few of them are having some time off. When you look down the bottom of the uh, list and you got names like Kevin Stadler playing, uh, DA Points, um, William McGirt, Dirk McGirt, Ricky Barnes, Richie Warinsky. There's some names down here that are probably going to battle. Jeff Ogilvie's playing again. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. I think that a lot of people are going to be pretty much fishing for a name in their tips to tipping because most would have used John Rahm and most would use Tony Finau. And after that, your guess is as good as mine. Um, the names that I've come up with outside of the big guys, the only two that I'll probably maybe look at will be someone like Gary Woodland, maybe even Patrick Rogers, but there's not too many there. Um, Bombers track. So if you want someone that hits it, hits it, hits them, hits it long, that is the way to go. Um, past Palum, it's going to be a, um, yeah, it's going to be windy in the afternoon. So first round leader, have a look at the guys out in the morning. Um, and the other event on this, and sorry, again, before I forget, don't forget to put your picks in. So tips are needed this week. Um, the other event this week, which we'll very quickly um, talk to, is the um, DP World Tour event in Korea. Yes. Because very second right. man off second. on the first tee. David Michaluzzi. David Michaluzzi making his uh, DP World Tour debut, uh, playing with David Horsey and Lee, uh, so Dehan Lee. So, yeah, good luck to Mika. That'll be, um, yeah, definitely watching a bit of that as well. As we mentioned before, Mika's management team uh, that he signed up with is the same team as John Rahm and Tom Kim. So he's under pretty good um, management there. And they've also secured him some starts on the PGA Tour. I think the Byron Nelson was one. And I forget the other one, but there's definitely, he's definitely got the DP World Tour start here, a couple of starts on the PGA Tour, and then he, will shoot across to Europe and then get a few starts on the DP World Tour um, before in the lead-up to the Open. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing Mika. Uh, this will be a heightened level of test for him and, you know, not wanting to put any pressure on the lad, but his game is world-class. Um, so it'll be good to see him play. Be great. Adrian Morong, Jordan Smith, Rasmus Hoygaard, Bobby Mack. There's a few playing. Antoine yeah. Rosner. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's had an exceptional year and, um, pressure makes diamonds. I think for a guy who's, who's hardened and playing some good golf, uh, I, 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 you know, I'd really be surprised if he doesn't make the cut and I, I would not be shocked to see him finish, you know, I'll put it out there and say, I wouldn't be shocked to see him finishing top 20. All of that experience that he's had and, you know, turning out and shooting low has to hold him in good stead for the bigger stage has to, mm. you know, he knows he can go low, you know, and even... It's not a scary field either. No. And as long as he's got his way around the course, which won't, won't be an issue, you know, he, as I said before many times, he shoots eight, nine under for fun around Peninsula Kingswood North Tee off the back tees every time he goes out and plays. And that's not an easy course by any standards. So um, good luck, Mika. Well done. Uh, Mike, that's it. We've done. Okay. That's it. Thanks That's for all list- of it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you do have any questions about uh, the live golf stuff, um, let me know. I'm happy to engage in any conversation. If you want to know more, uh, we could have. I could have kept talking about some of the golfers. I didn't. I didn't see all of the golfers. You know, like um, 
because I was in and out of a few different things. Uh, had a few few different masters to serve while I was there, uh, sort of work media and uh, personal wise. So, but um, if I did see you across there, um, and there were many people over there that I didn't see. I'm sorry if I missed you. If I did see you across there, it was great to see you. Um, but we will see you next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you do like what we're doing, share, subscribe, all of the good stuff. Uh, and thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Thank you.